Welcome back to the Worldview Minute. As we continue walking through the fall, as we build this Christian worldview one minute at a time, the last episode we looked at how the fall is essential to the Christian worldview and how it was a historical event, and it gives us a lens or a paradigm by which we answer the question, what went wrong, and how we can apply that into life. And we only got through the first half of the account of the fall, and now we're going to look at God's response to the fall. And by doing so, we're looking at really the impact. What impact did man's sin have upon his relationship with God, with one another, and with creation? And I want to read to you, I want to start with this quote from Nancy Piercy. Uh, It's her book, In Total Truth. She writes this, The universality of creation is matched by the universality of the fall. So when we did our series of episodes on creation, we looked at how God created everything, and there's this universal scope of the Christian worldview. That there's no molecule, there's no square inch, there's no sphere of life that is not covered by the doctrine of creation. Everything that exists outside of the triune God had a beginning, and that beginning comes from God speaking and bringing it into existence. So all of this world is God's, and Scripture addresses all of this world through the doctrine of creation. But that same universality is also found in the fall. There is no faction, there is no part of creation that has not been impacted or touched by the fall, whether the seen realm or the unseen realm, whether heaven or earth. There are fallen angels and there are humans who are are sinful, or all humans are. And so we're going to see this universal picture in the fall, and in specific in God's response to the fall via the curse. So let's pick up the story here in Genesis uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 24. Again, we're going to read along here, and then we are going to make some comments. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. So God is cursing the serpent, and now he is cursing both Satan here and also the body that Satan used, which is in an actual literal serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, note in here that there's going to be strife between the offspring of the serpent, and I don't think that's primarily the animal serpent, this is Satan, and the offspring of the woman. And this is going to be picked up almost immediately in the book of Genesis, where we have the two different competing lines, the line of Adam through Seth and the line of the serpent through Cain and his rebellion. This is a spiritual line, not necessarily a physical line. And to the woman then he turned and he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband and he shall rule over you. So now you're noticing, now there's a cursing on on the serpent. There's also now a curse upon the woman. Now remember the woman was created to be a helpmate to the man and that primary role of helping him, at least in the story of Genesis, is to be able to have children. Now in that creative goodness, God is now cursing that. And he's also putting strife between the man and the woman in their relationship. So now the woman is cursed and her relationship with the man is cursed and her role as a bringer forth of life is also cursed. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it in all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, 
till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, and for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. All right, so now God turns to the man and he curses man's primary role in the first few chapters of Genesis. God gives Adam a garden. He places him in the garden. He says, go work the ground. Bring forth, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth things out of my good creation. And now God has cursed it so that man's work and his job is becoming hard. Now by the sweat of his brow, he's going to bring forth fruit, but also thorns and thistles. This is God cursing the very ground, the very material of the universe. And then the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then God said to him, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now, therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden he placed the cherubim and the flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. So we have God here cursing the serpent, cursing Satan and the actual snakes. God curses the woman. He curses the man, and then he curses creation. God, the ground itself, is literally cursed. That which God just two chapters ago declared to be good, very good, God has now put a curse upon it that we are now, it is now marked by death. It's marked by chaos. Instead of growing just the plants we want, we grow thorns and thistles. It's now marked by entropy. It's going to decay. Man is now going to die. There's a real sense in which at this point, as sin has entered in the world and God is judging them, man has begun the process of dying. Adam and Eve is now. Adam and Eve are now dying. They are not dead yet, but they are spiritually dead now in their sins, and they are going to be removed from the Garden of Eden. They're kicked out of God's presence. They're removed from the source of life, and they have now begun the process of dying. And to dust they will now return. So all of creation now, as we read in Romans eight, is is groaning under the weight of the burden of sin, in particular, but also in specific, the curse that God Himself has cursed them. And this results in God removing man from his presence. And then God also covers the shame of Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve sin. They they sew together fig leaves to try to cover their own shame. They can't do that. What does God do? He provides a sacrifice for them. The first sacrifice we have is God providing animal skins to cover the nakedness and the shame of Adam and Eve. And so what we have at the very beginning here is God is placing upon all of creation, the angelic realm with the serpent, the physical realm with man and and woman, and the ground being cursed, that God's relationship between man and, or God's relationship with man is now also cursed as man is removed from the presence of God, like they are supposed to reflect the goodness and the image of God and to be in relationship with him. That has now been broken. They're sent from his presence. An angel now guards the entrance uh, to the Garden of Eden. There's a sense in which heaven and earth are being rent apart, rent asunder, as it were. And so we have this very beginning here, this totalizing universal impact. There is not one square inch of the universe that is not impacted by man's rebellion because man was the pinnacle of creation. He was to be God's chosen representative and ruler on behalf of God. And because everything is underneath the feet of Adam and Eve as they rule over creation and they then sin, all of creation is now cursed. So the universality of creation gives way to the universality of sin. That man is now, 
in everything he does, stained by sin. Man is now, in his very nature, a child of wrath, or a child of disobedience and an object of wrath. He is now, by nature, in rebellion against God, and he is also, by choice, a sinner. And this has impacts that reverberate through all of creation. So when we talk about building the Christian worldview, we're really talking about, as we're doing here, kind of outlining the major movements of biblical theology. God created everything good. Right? So creation itself isn't the problem. Being physical isn't the problem. Right? Now we move into the fall. What is the problem? It's moral. That God created us to be good. God created us to be stewards. God created us to be in his presence as priests and kings and rulers. But we have chosen rebellion. And as that, now the entire kingdom is stained with sin. And so the universality of the creation is now matched with the fall. We're going to talk about redemption in our next series of videos. We're going to find a universal redemption as well. So as we build this Christian worldview, we see this. We see this, but we also get this hint, right? Genesis 3.15. I'm going to put that enmity, that strife between your offspring and the offspring of the woman. But then he says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There's that first gospel message that God promises that through the line of the woman is going to come one who will crush the serpent. And to this problem, that this, this era that we're moving into of sin reigning, as death reigning, as entropy reigning, that things are broken, that things in this world, as we all know, and we feel it deep in our bones every single day, that this is not the way it should be. We get this hope right here in Genesis 3.15 that one day it won't be like that that the paradise lost will be a paradise restored at some point. And this is that, that Christian worldview, created good, now we have the moral problem. The problem is man's sin, and now God has, uh, God has cursed the ground. And so, on the one hand, we can say, we'll unpack this a little bit more, that the problem is sin, right? that this world is not as it should be because of sin, but it's also because of God's response to sin. Right? Notice it's God's judgment placed upon creation in man and the serpent. And there is no other response that God can have to sin. So just don't mistake me here. Right? God must judge the sin. And he is doing that. But we have to note that much of what's wrong in this world, that the pain we feel, the, the entropy we feel, is because of sin and God's righteous response unto it. God's judgment hangs over this world. And this means that if things are going to be made right, if they are going to be made whole again, God has to do something. Man is now in the wrong. Man cannot save himself. God must do something to set things right. And we're going to, again, we'll unpack that in coming episodes here. I encourage you to like, comment, and share. Follow along here. Subscribe as we build the Christian worldview one minute at a time.